Well, good morning. You can go ahead and have a seat this morning. And um, I want to say there's a lot going on today. It is the second week of Pentecost. And we are going to consider here in the month of June, the first four weeks of Pentecost, just mission and what the power of the Holy Spirit has for us on mission and how that works together. And um, it is also Trinity Sunday. You may have been hearing in some of the readings so far and in some, in the, certainly in the college we just prayed and you'll hear uh, during our communion celebration just this praise of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And we, we say it every week often where we say glory to the Father and glory to the Son, glory to the Holy Spirit. We say it together. We are a Trinitarian people, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And um, we love God unified and praise him in his unity. And so listen for that throughout the day. And happy Father's Day. I mean, not to mention Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, everybody. We are, um, we'll pray for you all here in just a minute. And we were going to have this great ice cream truck. But it's a gloomy, rainy day, and ice cream in the rain is no fun. And so we postpone it till next week. We'll have it, and it will certainly be sun shining next week because we postponed it. <laughs> That's a guarantee here in Connecticut, and so we'll do that. Today we have uh, what I think is a treat for you. I've asked Frank Williams to come and preach today. Frank uh, has been uh, a director with World Vision. He is on our missions team here at Church of the Apostles. And when I need to know something about missiology and missions, I find Frank and say, Frank, is this right? Is this how we should be thinking about this? Is this how this goes? Currently, Frank serves as the CFO at the Bridgeport Rescue Mission. Uh, Paul Hiller's on the board at the Bridgeport Rescue Mission. They have been a longtime missions partner here with Church of the Apostles. And so I would just love to have Frank come today and share with us about um, some of God's heart our missionaries, God's missionary heart uh, for the people that he created. Uh, thank you, uh, Brian. I told him I, that, to mention also that the fifth grade was the best four years of my life, but he didn't, <laughs> he, he didn't mention that. I, I, it's an honor, honor to, uh, to be with you and share God's word this morning. Wow, what a, what a, what a privilege. I uh, thought about the, uh, the time... Winston Churchill would come to the United States on a periodic basis in the 20s and 30s, and he, he uh, once came and met Mark Twain, and Mark Twain gave him a 25-volume set of all of Mark Twain's writings, and he wrote an inscription for Winston. The inscription says, uh, to be good is noble to teach others how to be noble is nobler and no trouble. And I'm going to go for trouble today, if, that, if that's all right, uh, as we, we gather. Uh, as you saw the brief video, uh, the mission uh, demonstrates the love of God to homeless, hungry, and addicted people, families, in coastal Fairfield County, you saw now it's 26 years, and it's 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, and it's a place of hope and dignity, and we talk about what we do is fighting poverty from the inside out, because it's about transforming lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bridgeport Rescue Mission exists. And the mission partners with 
many churches, including apostles, as Brian has described. And over the years, not just Paul Hiller, uh, or in addition to Paul Hiller, many in the apostles' family have given time, talent, and treasure to the mission. And I say thank you uh, for that. Uh, as our church family moves into a new season of local and global missions with prayer and action, I want to challenge us uh, to consider opportunities to volunteer as an individual or as a family or as a life group at the mission. There's some pretty cool things to consider. We have mobile kitchens that get tanked up with food several nights a week and go and deliver that food to various uh, neighborhoods. Uh, that's one opportunity that's uh, uh, really uh, quite an adventure, but also a wonderful way to serve. Uh, we have a donation center that gets, let me tell you, piles and piles of clothing and food. That's a great place to come as a family, even with small children, and help sort the food, help sort the clothing for those in need. And then consider serving at our week-long Great Thanksgiving project at the Webster Center and help us distribute more than 3,000 turkeys and more than 15,000 coats. So those are some of the opportunities, but the first step is very difficult. Wait a minute, it's Bridgeport. I've never done this, so I'd like to invite you. I will uh, organize a Saturday kind of uh, uh, exploration time where you can see uh, the mission in action, see lives being transformed in action, and it'll be a kind of an introduction about how you might uh, consider uh, volunteering. Uh, the mission cares for its program participants, and the mission also cares for its volunteers. So I just want to say that it is a safe and rewarding place to volunteer uh, for God's kingdom purposes. At the mission, program participants and volunteers and staff are continually being transformed by the power of the gospel. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 3, quote, we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the, from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Brian has talked a little bit about this word transform before. It's a Greek word, uh, metaphiso, uh, from which we get the term metamorphosis. For a butterfly, scientists tell us that when the caterpillar goes into the cocoon, its cells actually melt, and then they are transformed into this beautiful, beautiful creature. Uh, and there are four places in Scripture where the word transform, metamifu, is used twice in Scripture referencing Jesus at trans transfiguration, once when Paul tells us in Romans 12 to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, and here in 2 Corinthians 3 where Paul says that we are being transformed, we're being recreated as we gaze at the Lord's glory. God actually spoke prophetically about this meta, meta, metamorpho uh, in Ezekiel 37, reading from there, I will sprinkle 
clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will, re I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Our opening prayer uses the word heart twice. Ezekiel uses the word heart four times. It's really, really important. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, of course, a scripture that many of us can quote. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Praise God through the transforming power of the gospel. We have a new heart and the indwelling Holy Spirit. I'd actually like to talk about our hearts today. And one of the ways that I think the Lord strengthens our hearts. In Psalm 84 that we read responsively, verses 5 and 7 say, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Another focus on our hearts. And our hearts are strengthened if they're on pilgrimage. So it's a bit conditional here. If our hearts, if, our, if we have purpose to be on pilgrimage, the psalmist promises that we will go from strength to strength. Proverbs 4 talks about the heart as well. And it says something I think very, very interesting. It says, above all things, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. There's only one other place in Scripture where I think, there may be others, uh, where it talks about above all things. And it's 1 Peter 4, 4, where Peter says, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. So above all things, guard our hearts Above all things, love each other deeply. I'm going to focus on the heart uh, today. What does guarding our hearts actually look like? I've been thinking about this, and I think it's a, a lifelong journey of choosing to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a choice to love and serve and forgive others, choosing to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit in us to love and serve and forgive others. Matthew 6, Jesus didn't say, if you are offended, forgive. He said, when we are offended, forgive. 
as I thought about it, I realized, I, I think the Holy Spirit tells us in, in the Word of God that guarding our hearts is actually a proactive thing. And it's an outward-focused thing versus a huddling behind a, a door, if you will. And it's, we actually guard our hearts by allowing others to partake of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. When Bishop Breedlove was here a few months ago, he, he quoted John 15, 7, and this is the, it's God glorified that we bear much fruit. So God is glorified when we allow others to partake of the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And I also believe that God is glorified when the charismata, the gifts of the Spirit, flow from us. Jesus uh, was at the, the great feast of, of, of the, the last feast of the, of the of the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, and he's looking out at everyone, seven-day feast, and it says, on the last and greatest day of the feast in John 7, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from him. And John wants us to get it, so it says, By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Praise God. Jesus has been crucified, he's been resurrected, and he's been glorified. And that is why we can know that this transformation, this metamorpho, uh, is continuing to take place in our lives. But I, I want to encourage us that the Holy Spirit is in us, and the Holy Spirit wants to flow out from us all the time, all the time. And it happens as long as we are willing to yield and just be sensitive. We don't have to be super spiritual. We're naturally supernatural, giving people word, the word of life. And uh, I, I'm thinking uh, June and Frank, June, my wife and I, were out in Palm Springs, California last week. And uh, it's an amazing desert place when you, conventions happen there. And we were at a, a convention, the intergalactic meeting of the rescue mission world was, was happening there. And it's 105 degrees every day. And June and I, and it's desperately dry and barren. But June and I, right outside of Palm Springs, took a, took a tram 8,500 feet up. And it was an oasis. There was a river. There were a, a massive forest and animals and fauna. And it was 65 degrees, right in the same location. So in the spirit, I believe, we're in that place of 65 degrees and a beauty, and it was literally an Eden, a burden of Eden. We walk in that in the spirit to a desperate world all around us. Let the water flow. Don't quench. The only reason the water won't flow is if we quench, not others. Not others. So it's for us to think about. I'd like to talk a little bit about the, the pilgrimage idea. 
I, I think it's impossible to set our hearts on God, a God-glorifying pilgrimage with lots of encumbrances. Think of a backpacker. You know, they don't kind of bring their whole house and all their bank accounts and, and sort of their life, you know, definition on a, on a long trip. They kind of bring a, you know, backpack and the clothing is, is appropriate. Uh, I think we need wisdom from the Lord to understand pilgrimage because it's not a concept in our culture. And it's an, it's an austere concept in some ways. But I believe the Lord gives us courage and, and perseverance. Uh, but we really need intentionality to live our lives on pilgrimage. But it's a blessing to do so because our pilgrimage is toward a special place, which is it's toward the presence of God. Our pilgrimage, very clear in Psalm 84, verse 7, strength to strength toward God in Zion. So it's a... It's a wonderful thing uh, to, to frame it. You have to always, we always have to frame things in the right way. So it's, yes, it's, it's a challenge to be on pilgrimage, but wow, look where we're headed. We're being transformed into the, the likeness of Jesus, and we're being moving toward the presence, uh, presence of God. There's a German proverb. This is a hard one to remember. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And I thought about that uh, with David where he said, One thing I ask of the Lord, this one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. Psalm 25. So this is all a setup for talking about Gideon's heart. We had a Wonderful reading. Thank you, Al, from Judges 6. Moses has died. Wow. Joshua has died. Wow. And the people are kind of, what's next? And they start getting a series of lightweight and middle lightweight judges. And each of them last a couple years, three years, four years. And they're like, whoa, didn't sign up for that. And then they don't have anyone for five years, six years, seven years. And so the next round here is, is uh, they, don't have a, they don't have a judge. And God's enemies, Israel's enemies, are destroying the people. They are committing slow genocide. They're taking all the crops and all the animals. And that's all the people of Israel had. No bonds, no orange juice futures, just crops and animals. And they cry out to the Lord, and the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon, who is hiding in a wine press to thresh wheat. And the Lord looks at Gideon and says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Never been called that before, that's for sure. Gideon ignores this prophetic declaration and basically goes right to the point, Lord, why have you abandoned us? 
then it's very interesting. It says the Lord turned to him. So apparently the Lord, it appears, the, the angel of the Lord, is kind of looking out in some way and, and telling Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And then he's listening to Gideon, blah, 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 blah. And then he turns to him. And he says, go in the strength you have. And save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? I believe this is a word for all of us today. We are called to move into each day with the strength the Lord has given us. Overusing Mark Twain. But he said, every day get up and eat a frog. And if you have two frogs, eat the big one first. Now, I don't think Mark Twain was thinking of Judges chapter 6, but there's some truth in that, that God calls us to walk in the strength he's already given us and to watch him work. Watch that living water flow into us and through us. Watch and experience a mantle of anointing on our, on our lives. Gideon's response to this amazing word, hey, Lord, this is Gideon. You know, our family is in a runt tribe, last kind of pig, pardon the bad language for the Hebrew scriptures, the last of the pigs, the runt, and then I'm in the runt family of the runt tribe. Yeah, I, th I think you've got, uh, you know, the, the, the wrong address here. What was going on? Gideon's heart was in despair. Gideon was hiding. Gideon was not on pilgrimage. He was desperately struggling to survive in bad circumstances. And we can all relate to that Gideon. He was unable to see his true identity because of his circumstances. Yet the Lord spoke to Gideon what was already true about Gideon. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I believe we must see by the power of the Holy Spirit that we too are mighty warriors. Me? You? Yes. That we too are mighty warriors, even in the most despairing circumstances of life. The Lord is with you, Brian mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, Charlie, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, where is she, Jane, mighty warrior. The Lord declares things to us and we, in such audacity, choose not to believe them. Gideon is audacious in the wrong way as he's engaging with the Lord of hosts in his presence. Verse 16, the Lord says, I hear all that, Gideon. I hear that you're the little guy, but I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. The Lord was calling Gideon to get out of the wine press. 
hiding, to, to scavenge, scavenge, to scrounge, scrounge a meager existence. He was calling him to something much, much better. And it was also something that would change the course of history for the people of Israel. And he didn't want to go. He's calling Gideon to pilgrimage to a new place. And Gideon was afraid. And Gideon was so afraid, he said, God, can you prove this thing to me? Can you make sheep's wool moist and then the next day make dry wool, moist wool dry and all, all this kind of, and God obliges. It's a, a very kind of gracious moment from the Lord of hosts. But, uh, and then Gideon takes a few steps. He said, okay, maybe this is all going to work. Uh, but he's still operating out of fear. God says, you know, first thing to do, Gideon, is kind of get your, your family house in order. So take down the, the, the Baal shrine kind of in your, in your house, in your father's house. And as was read, he, he does so, but at nighttime. Wants to make sure that nobody, and his fingerprints aren't on this thing, right? So he's still operating out of fear. This creates a rather awkward situation the next morning as... Uh, as we heard, imagine if you go home, go to bed tonight, and you get up in the morning, and your TV is destroyed, and your smartphone, somebody's stamped on it. That's probably happened in some of your households with teenagers, but your smartphone is stamped on, and uh, it's all broken. Your, your, your fourth-inch fourth screen, massive, wonderful thing, and your incredible iPhone 77 is, is uh, <laughs> trashed. How would you feel? How should we feel? Something, uh, something to, to ponder. Uh, so Gideon is still operating in fear, and then the situation for Israel becomes dramatically worse. It was already really bad. And then it gets dramatically worse in verse 33. Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples joined forces. It's either a really good sign or a really bad sign when that happens. And crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. So not only were they united now, they crossed the Jordan. So they're basically strategically positioned to destroy, to annihilate Israel. You ever feel like everything and everyone is strategically positioned to make your life, my life, make our lives terrible? And then a very interesting verse, uh, verse 34. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abizarites to follow him. The Abizarites were his family portion of the half-tribe of, of Manassas. The Hebrew word here, and the version that Al read captured it, actually. It's very unusual for that to be captured. It is the spirit of the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. And according to the pastor, Bill Johnson, who knows a lot more about Hebrew than I do, it's the only place in Scripture that this Hebrew phrase appears. The Spirit of the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. 
Another way to say it literally is the Holy Spirit put Gideon on like a glove. Wow. But even after the Holy Spirit puts Gideon on like a glove, he's still ensnared by fear. So the Lord, I think, kind of has to mix it up. He says, Gideon, you've got 32,000 warriors. I'm going to make it 300. That probably didn't help Gideon in his fear. Uh, but we have to trust that the good Lord knew, knew what he was doing. Gideon's in, in, in complete fear still. Hey, the Spirit of the Lord is on him. Hey, where there's an anointing. He's in fear. So God says something very interesting. He says, Gideon, uh, we didn't read this far. Gideon, uh, you and your servant, don't take your 300 men yet. Just you and your servant go into the enemy's camp and listen. And what happens is Gideon learns that the enemy fears God and Gideon more than Gideon fears the enemy. And there's a great victory won by the power of the Holy Spirit with 300 warriors against this mass of, of soldiers uh, ready to do battle. I want to encourage us not to be surprised when the Lord puts us in the enemy's camp to show his greatness and his faithfulness to us. Wait a minute, I'm a wreck. I, I can't be helpful for God's purposes. Yes, you can. We have the Holy Spirit. Yes, we can. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And in fact, God trusts in that so much and he loves us and affirms our identity so much. At times, he's going to put us in the enemy's camp to do his kingdom work. It's actually a Gideon moment for the Bridgeport Rescue Mission. For five years, the mission's executive director, Terry Wilcox, who's spoken here many times, uh, has been looking for a place to expand hope in Bridgeport. Last year, Terry walked into a shutdown, bankrupt, nursing facility and began to weep. The Lord had given him a vision of what could be. And through a series of miracles, a few months ago, the mission purchased a 60,000 square foot building that we are planning to turn into a community care center to dramatically increase life-transforming services in the enemy's camp. The mission will go from 89 to 186 residential beds and from 4,500 meals per week to 15,000 meals per week in the enemy's camp. We are in awe that the Lord has provided the resources to purchase this building. My request for prayer, that we would go in the strength of the Lord and trust that the Lord will also provide the resources to actually renovate 
and operate the new building. I'm asking for your prayers as a brother in Christ and as a chief financial officer. So uh, I, know, I know the faith side and I know the natural uh, on this. So, uh, and I'm thankful to be able to offer, offer that uh, to our body. In closing, let us choose to go in the strength we have in our daily journey of walking in community, in our daily journey of being the gospel of Jesus Christ in word and deed. And let us not be surprised. Think about it as I'm talking like this, and God will remind you of times when he has put you on like a glove to do his bidding. We want to be open to that. In preparing uh, this, this talk, uh, I, I really started to get a sense that uh, some of us here in our family right now are gripped by a spirit of fear. And that's not a weird thing. I can tell you about three months ago, I woke up every morning for about 10 days, just, I'd wake up and I can't do it all. And I'm not able and I'm not worthy and all this stuff. And I, I tolerated it for about 10 days. Then I got up one morning, I said, be gone in Jesus' name. It was gone. So I don't know all the theology of this except Sometimes we can be oppressed, and we have authority in Jesus' name. Let's just say, be gone. So I, I just sense that it was, I was supposed to, to share that, and uh, I, I want us to take a, a moment here and pray uh, together, and no coming down, but if any of us want prayer for fear or anxiety uh, about anything, would you raise your hand? Thanks, a little higher. Are you seeing all the hands uh, going up? Uh, let's uh, gather around them, please, right now. And I don't have the fancy anointing sauce this time. Uh, and there's way over here. We got to get, make sure we get, keep your, why, why don't you stand? Because it's hard to see the hands. Everyone stand that wants prayer. And great. Big guys and little guys, praise God. All right, let's gather around. And let's enter into just first listen. Uh, and then let's just yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> to, uh, to minister as the Holy Spirit leads. But if it's a spirit of fear, just name it and say go in Jesus' name. And it might be a few other things. That's okay too. Uh, let's let the Holy Spirit do his work. And after a few minutes of this, uh, I'll, I'll close our time with a prayer. Thank you everyone uh, being responsive to that and thank you for those who had the courage uh, it's an odd, odd thing to ask someone who's in fear to have courage to uh, respond so thank you let's pray lord we uh we thank you that we're being transformed into your likeness with ever increasing glory teach us lord to guard our hearts above all things and by the the power of the Holy Spirit in, in us, Lord. Teach us how to set our hearts on pilgrimage 
that we may go from strength to strength toward your presence and that we might become oaks of righteousness for the display of your splendor. It's in the matchless name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. We pray. And all God's people said? Amen. All Amen. God's mothers said? <laughs> Amen. All God's fathers said? Amen. And all God's mighty warriors said? Amen. Amen.